Good morning. My name is Riley Coulter. I attend the church, serve on the church board, have for uh, a few years now, and uh, counted a great, great joy and privilege to bring the word this morning. I invite you to uh, pray with me this uh, prayer for illumination as we read the scripture from which I will preach. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, that we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. The words of Paul from Philippians chapter 3, after listing a whole series of reasons that he should have special privilege and uh, accomplishment, recognition of accomplishment in his life, he says, Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Last Sunday, Pastor Ryan introduced us to Paul as one of the great leaders of the church and brought to us an understanding of what what made Paul the kind of person he was. I want to take that just a a little further this morning, if I can. Truthfully, I've been a bit of a fan of Paul's all my life and ministry. I pastored 15 years before I went to work with uh, what's now Ambrose University. And I've always, always been impressed by the work and ministry of Saul, who became Paul. Truly one of the great, if not the greatest, Christian leader of all time. Terrific uh, apologist. He would, he would go to the center of a city, a town, and he'd debate, begin debate with the leaders of the city. Before long, he had a, a following from which then he would plant a church, and then he would move on and do the very same thing in another town, and town after town after town, and then those churches needed to be followed up on and with, and so he would write them letters that today are for us Christian uh, scripture, holy writ. They are our Bible. They are our understanding of what it is God wants for us and and for his church. He was one of the greatest uh, apologists, had to be, of all time, a great Christian missionary, church planter. My response to that is, being a bit of a curious fellow, what made him, (laughs) what motivated him to be that kind of a person? What motivated Saul, Paul, to become the greatest of all time, if that's true, which I think it is? Great Christian leader, what what motivated him? I think in there's three verses here is uh, three clues that I want to leave with us this morning for our consideration. The first is this. Paul said, I press on to take hold 
of that for which Christ Jesus has taken a hold of me. (laughs) Paul lived with this overwhelming sense that God had broken into his life and brought him to himself for a particular plan, purpose, uh, work that only he could fulfill. And, and, And we know that's true. It's recorded for us by Luke and Acts a couple of times, Paul's conversion experience. It was pretty dramatic. Lots of sound, lots of light. Um, It it was incredible where Jesus himself, after his resurrection, spoke publicly to Saul and said, hey, buddy, (laughs) we can't keep going on like this. This this is not good. Saul was on his way to another town to, to work against the work of the church, and his conversion experience was incredibly uh, dramatic. And, and I think in some ways, uh, he lived with that drama all of his life. He probably thought about it every time he woke up in the morning. When you think of it, it was incredible that God would reach out of heaven and through his son Christ bring Saul to himself. Saul had to go away and, and into, a, into a quiet place and try to figure it out for a, a period of time. But eventually he figured, this is really something what has happened to me. And we might say, well, (laughs) sure. And if my experience of God had been that dramatic, ah, might might motivate me to be a little bit more enthusiastic or understand this or that or the other about my Christian. Truth be told, I think... If we are followers of God today, no matter where we are on the pathway, God has been breaking into our lives. And every time we say yes to God, or every time we convert to God's plan and purpose for our lives, that's dramatic. You may say, well, it wasn't that dramatic. It was kind of, I was just kind of thinking about it, or praying, or driving. Uh, or maybe at the dining room or kitchen table or at the bedside. Not, no, no, I think it was and is traumatic. Every time that happens for you and for me, it is God himself breaking into our lives so that he is taking hold of us just like he took a hold of Saul, who became Paul. He never got over this, and, and rightly so. I mean, it absolutely, dramatically changed him. And sometimes I think we get over our experiences of God maybe a little too quickly. We, in fact, were going one direction, and God intervened, and we're now going a different direction. That's dramatic. Paul lived with this overwhelming sense of divine destiny that I think was true for him, but is every bit as true for you and me. We, in fact, have been chosen. This isn't a a theological statement. God chose us. He has chosen us for his purposes. He has chosen us and given us, prepared for us, if you will, a task and a purpose that only you and I can fulfill in our own personal spheres of influence. 
And I think this is one of the most powerful examples of motivation in somebody's life that we find in scriptures. The second clue is found in the next verse where he says, brothers, and I'll add sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have arrived, but one thing I do, uh, pause just a moment, full stop. So here's the greatest missionary of all time, one of the greatest Christian leaders, somebody that we could learn from, and he says, but this one thing I do. <laughs> I don't know about you, but for instance, if Warren Buffett was here with us this morning and he was standing here and we're listening to what he says and then he stops and then he says, this one thing you're going to have to do to make money, I would lean in. <laughs> I'd want to hear what he has to say. So here's one of the greatest Christian leaders of all time saying, this one thing I do, and this is going to be good. This is what he says. You'd think it would be fear God or love God with all your heart or something pretty, right? Here's what he says. Forgetting what is behind that's what he says. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. I've thought about that, and I've thought about it, and I've decided that that might be one of the truly great principles of living in God, with God, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting not in the sense of not remembering, because I think in some ways that's not possible, but getting over, getting over what is in fact in our past. Maybe for some of us, our past has been filled with less than desirable events. We have, uh, we've done some pretty stupid things or dumb things or... Something's happened or whatever. And if we were telling this story to Saul, Paul, Paul, uh, he would look at us and say, oh, okay, we'll, we'll get over it. O okay, that happened. Yeah. Some, some of us don't allow ourselves to get beyond our past. Yes, we've made mistakes. We've all done really dumb things, maybe extremely sinful things or or things that are contrary to God and His will in our world. Yeah, okay. Forget it, is what Paul says. Forget it. Leave it be. There's a great story of this, by the way, where in his life, Saul's life, Paul's life, where he was going from one town to another. He engaged with the church fathers in this particular town, and he really stirred them up. He, he, he gained a great following, but so much so that he really made the church fathers angry, so they beat him <laughs> pretty, pretty, a lot of, he was pretty beat up, and then they threw him outside the city gate on a refuse pile. That's being kind to call it a refuse pile. He was so beaten up 
unconscious, threw him out. When he woke up, (laughs) I think I know what my response might be. Hold it a minute. I'm doing all this work for you, God, and this is the thanks I get? This is what comes my way? I don't think so. I've given up everything for you, and this is what I get in return? (laughs) That might be my response. He didn't say that. Scripture tells us he stood up, shook the dust off his feet, went on to the next town, planted another church. You know, we can dwell in the past and the fuss of the past and the difficulty of the past all we want, it won't help us. There's a flip side of that, of course. We might think the past is full of glory, you know, the good old days, you know, thinking of the past as being, you know, the great old day, the, the, the great days of the church and the great days of this, that. they weren't that great. They really weren't that great. And yet we think of them that way. But get over it, Paul says. Get over it. And, now it's interesting, he says, this one thing I do, and then he names two things. Love it. He says, forgetting what is the, in the past, forgetting it, getting over it, and straining toward what is in the future. Paul had an incredible recognition that there was something just around the next corner that was absolutely worth his giving himself fully that he might embrace it with enthusiasm. I I think he lived with this sense that, in fact, God had a plan and a purpose for his life, and it was up to him to find it and fulfill it over and over and over again each new day. I love that. Forgetting what is behind and straining to what what is ahead. The English word from the original, straining, it's a good word, but it's not quite emotional enough. The word straining here is filled with emotion. I mean, it's, it's embracing the future with enthusiasm. It's not enduring life or enduring the future, or tomorrow even, for that matter, but embracing the future that God has for us with a great deal of enthusiasm. Forgetting the past and straining toward the future. I think there's a third clue to what made Paul such an incredible leader. He he felt that God had taken a hold of him for a specific plan, and he was called to that plan, and he needed to fulfill it. He let go of the past. If there was anybody that could have let his past influence him, it was Paul, Saul, who had spent his life working against the church up until his conversion. Forgetting the past, training for the future. The third clue is found in the next verse, where it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul lived with this sense of heaven. 
and heaven's values, the things that were ultimately important in life. Um, heaven. I, I told you I pastored 15 years. I have a, I have a, 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 a series of sermons on heaven in my files. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> we don't know much about heaven. This I know about heaven. Eternity with God. Eternity with a, a good God. The other place, not so much. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. I think Paul lived with a sense of, I need to give myself to that which is going to be eternally important, of some value. Now, you can become so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. I get that. I understand that. That's true. But truthfully, I think, we live in a world that presents, especially with the affluence of our day, that gives us so much opportunity to spend our time and our energy and our resources in ways that don't necessarily count long-term. <laughs> um, I went to the Stampeders football game last night. It's part of my life. Has been for many, many years. Does it matter eternally? No. Hard for me to say that. But it doesn't matter. Flames, Chiefs, my teams, no, doesn't matter. What does matter is that I provide opportunity in my life at some point to put myself in the place of making a difference in somebody's life toward God. Sometimes we talk about, you know, winning our neighborhoods and winning our cities and winning our neighbors. How about we just influence them? These good people, how about we just influence them toward God? If we spend all of our time and all of our energy and all of our resource on the issues of life, which are the issues of life for all of us, and never pause to give thought to what accounts eternally, I'm not sure that honors God. I'm not sure he'd be too, he's too happy with that. Paul, I believe, had an incredible sense to give himself to what was truly important. Imagine him sitting down and writing the letters that have become for us the Word of God. The Word of God. Imagine that. Imagine him planting churches and, and talking to people and talking to people and talking to them again to convince them in one way or another of the reality of God in their lives. I think Paul was one of the great leaders of the Christian church. 
He lived with this overwhelming sense that God had chosen him. I love it. God has chosen us too, folks, every one of us. Nobody in this congregation or is sitting here this morning is here by accident. No. God has a planned purpose. He is fulfilling it in your life. He has a plan of what you could do with that life. We need to forget the past, get over it, strain toward the future, and we need to, I think, continually recognize what we can do as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to be light, salt, and leaven in the worlds that we live in. Whatever that means. Sometimes preachers try to define that for us. That's a tough thing to do. The older I get, the more I recognize that's really, really hard. And especially in our society and the society that we, secular society that we live in. God has called you, truthfully, to be a follower, a follower after him. You're not going to become a little Paul. <laughs> That's not going to happen, nor am I. I recognize that. But I can do some things. I can do something. I can give myself where he asks me to give myself, and I can use what's at my disposal to bring honor and glory to God which I think is what all that Paul did anyway. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this great example of Christian leadership. Outstanding when you think of it. To cut such a wide swath of influence for his life and the times he lived in, but also for now. 2,000 years following. We are disciples of Christ, but we are admirers of Paul. And I pray that you would uh, take what has been shared this morning and help maybe one or two things to stay with us that would help us, in fact, to be light, salt, and leaven in the worlds that you have placed us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.